0: The following is a North Carolina Baptist resource. For more, visit ncbaptist.org. God's great work in your neighborhood is uh, the title of this session. My name is Chuck Campbell, and this is one of the tools that that I have used in the past over the last six years. And also, uh, it was I'm not the originator or original developer. It was it came through other sources and helps and. One of those partners was Michael Bortz, who's with me, and he's going to be helping me to present this. And um, something that I really wanted to emphasize in this piece are the prayer components. And Michael's, we're going to just kind of stop, and Michael's going to come and just share each of the four prayer components in these four phases. As you begin peeling back the layers and understanding um, your neighborhood, your community, your city, your pocket of lostness has lots of applications. But as I begin, um, I wonder if we just bow in a word of prayer and ask for God's favor in our time together. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for those that you've led to come uh, to this place and to, and to hear how we can do uh, even a better job, Father, of reaching our communities for uh, your glory and, uh, and, 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 and for you, Father. So God, we just pray that you would just come in this time and just speak through me. Uh, Lord, use this time, inspire us, uh, help us to take away some, some things, Lord, that we can go and apply in our own churches and ministry contexts that would just bless you, honor you, and advance your kingdom. And God, I thank you for today. Thank you for all that you're doing through our convention and through our churches. And we bless your precious and holy name. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Um, so the purpose of this, this tool... Um, and Mike, if you wouldn't mind making sure some of them get, get that outline. Uh, the purpose of this tool, which I call Understanding uh, Your Neighborhood, is really to help proclaim the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ in a contextualized and relevant ways. We're looking really for keys to unlock doors to, to homes and hearts to impact lostness through disciple-making. You're going to probably, uh, as you see the, the outline begin to emerge that uh, um, that you're going to be familiar with it and on the outline that I handed out it's, it deals in four major components of, or phases, if you would, of context, observation, interpretation and strategy um, and, um, and so the key contributors to this, like I said are, are not just me I've pulled from uh, Professor Chuck Lawless evangelism missions pastor at Southeastern Bast- uh, uh, Baptist Theological Seminary, uh, Ed Stetzer, a uh, piece that he wrote called Exegete Your Culture, uh, uh, 10 Checkpoints for Knowing and Reaching Your Culture, uh, John Futter, uh, which uh, we pulled some pieces from of Neighborhood Mapping and How to Make Your Church Invaluable uh, to the Community, and there's, and there's others too that we'll, we'll mention. He needs one more back there that just walked in. Um, as we uh, begin uh, this piece, it starts with the, the context and understanding the unique culture of your community. And I said like each one of these phases, we'll begin with a, a prayer component. Mike's going to come and share what we would do initially as you begin
1: to in,
0: engage and reach your neighborhood. Mike.
1: So as we think through exegeting or understanding your neighborhood or your community, We clearly want to have God's understanding and God's perspective. As we look through this whole strategy or these stages, you want to be bathing everything in prayer. So what I normally do is just talk to the pastor first for you. As you're just driving through the neighborhood, as you're driving through your community, wherever you are, just start praying that God would show you what He sees, looking at the buildings looking at the people, looking at what's in the yard, looking at what is going on traffic wise, um, just anything and everything. And then the next stage with that prayer driving is to enlist the leadership, to come alongside and and go with the pastor. Uh, Maybe they do it by themselves. Maybe they do it literally with the pastor. Uh, One of the pastors that I interact with, uh, once he started doing the prayer driving and God was just like showing him like, wow, there's a lot of diversity over here that I just I hadn't been seeing. I've been driving by it, but I've been driving by it for so long, I just really wasn't seeing it anymore. And there were some other components that just really popped to him about the community that they were in. And he was just like, next Tuesday night, deacons meeting. I want to rally them up. We're going to go out and get in the church van, and I'm just going to drive them along, and we're going to do some prayer driving together. And so there's no one single answer on the prayer driving the key is is to get you out there first so that God can show you what He's seeing before you start to look at statistics and data and, and try to man-make it. You let Him show you what's there first.
0: And you don't have to make this complicated when it comes to your prayer driving. It's something very simple. It's just as you're driving, you would have a conscious awareness of being uh, prayerful. And so it's not going to take a big, long, elaborate training, even though I do have a training component for this. If you're interested in that, get with me afterwards and I can, I'll give you some of the, the training pieces that we have for each one of these segments. Um, but it's really uh, encouraging your people to take that first step in reaching their community and, uh, and it's becoming prayerfully aware. The second step, as you continue to move forward in this journey, is a per- personal and a church assessment. The pastor and the church must take an honest look at itself and their effectiveness of how they are reaching their community and beyond. We have some wonderful specialists at the Baptist State Convention as well as some uh, phenomenal uh, directors of missions, associational missionaries, associational missionary strategists. I think I got all the titles right for those guys. But <laughs> uh, but uh, guys that you want to get in contact with and, and look at to help you with this journey as a as a as a church um, and evangelism and dis- discipleship group really likes to focus in on three major phases of man, ministry and mission. And I know those assignments were kind of given to Brian Upshaw. I think it's going to be Sandy Marks now stepping into the new position of Neil Ellers and Josh Reed when it comes to mission. But I know one of the pieces that they, they, they use is looking at your church in 3D. And that's a wonderful piece if your church has never gone through that, where you begin to discover, develop, and deliver, they call it, uh, in reaching uh, your community for Christ. One of the tools I used in the past, and I know this team still uses is Transformational Church. There's a lot of um, good uh, self-assessment tools that your church can take. It's really helping you to find out where you're at in, in the journey. How In uh, this tool, it really um, it helps you to find out where's your missionary mentality, uh, how is your leadership, how, is, uh, how are relations going? Prayerful dependence, engagement, worship, community outreach, mission. All of these things are evaluated through a lot of these tools. And, it, um, and it's a self-assessment, a lot of these pieces. So it's not something you're going to grade or score on them. They're going to grade and score on themselves. And then you come back into the room. And a lot of times we used to do a self-discovery retreat. Uh, that is absolutely wonderful where you begin to not only understand and explore these things, but how can we better them for the Lord and begin to move beyond them to have a greater impact in our community and in our neighborhood. So this personal and church assessment is, uh, is critical in the journey as you move forward. Well, it doesn't end there because then you're just looking in the box. you got to look out of the box, don't you? you got to look at your community. And one of the tools that we offer at the Baptist State Convention is called Mission Insight. How many of you are familiar with that? Praise God. And uh, I hope all of you are. It's a free tool. And uh, these demographic tools that are offered are are extremely expensive tools. Uh, And the convention offers for uh, our churches for free to use. You can assign somebody and uh, look to your associational missionary as your immediate contact person or contact your local strategist in your region and area They'll help you get hooked up with these unique things. Um, but Mission Insight is a demographic program that will help congregations and ministries know their neighborhood and mission field. Um, it, de- it determines things like uh, best o- uh, your best opportunities for ministry. It answers strategic ministry questions about your neighborhood, like where do families live in our ministry area. It helps you to understand population trends before they happen. It'll help you to make informed ministry decisions based on local religious preferences, practices, beliefs. It also identifies and will help you reach households in your ministry area according to your Mosaic makeup. Um, uh, I know it's a marketing tool, but it still tells us a lot about the people that live in our communities. I don't know about you, that's getting harder and harder to do. I just moved into a community, and uh, I don't know about you, people drive in their driveways, get out of the car, go into their back door. And, and I'm like, hey neighbor, I'm new, <laughs> and they're like, they're gone. And I and uh, we're talking about having a garage sale just so all of them will come over, because you know they're going to be curious what kind of stuff they got, right? And so and so um, so we're thinking about doing that or whatever it takes to engage and 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 connect with our, our our local neighbors. And uh, here's what the deal is, you. Probably when you move into a community, you'll meet the man or woman of peace in your community probably first day. Why? They are in your yard finding out your business, what's going on with you. Well, I've already met that guy, and he lives right next door to me. He's awesome. But now he found out I'm a preacher. I haven't seen him in two weeks.
1: <laughs>
0: so y'all help me with that one. But
1: uh,
0: also, this tool helps you to create neighborhood thematic maps, custom neighborhood maps, 76 demographic variables, maps for also your missionaries, your members. You can plug your membership in, and it'll pepper it all over your region. You can find out where your missionaries are. See, we've been calling them members for years. I say stop that. Call them missionaries, because that's exactly what they are. And they're out in the field. Well, who's mobilizing them for mission? Who's training them? Who's helping them to engage and giving them tools and things to To help, I mean, we've got our missionaries out there. All we're doing is here's the big ask: come to church Sunday. Wait a minute, we got this backwards. It's go, not come. That's what that great commission says, right? And um, these are neat tools to help you to figure out where they are, and also some uh, reports like like quick insight and and executive and full sight. Those are wonderful tools to help you to find that information, and then we help you to pull all that information together and do what we call a a community summary report, which summarizes the finding of the uh, in your pocket of lostness or neighborhood or wherever area you've designated to look at, of um, and then help you to develop a local strategy team to begin the journey to impacting lostness through uh, d- disciple making. Well, once you begin that peeling back of all those layers of context, you move into what we call observation, and that begins with
1: prayer. Uh, walking Mike come and share with us what that looks like, so as we talked about looking at the context, we talked about just prayer driving, being able to get out there, allowing God to show you what he 's seeing in the area, and then as you did the statistical analysis of yourself uh, of your church, uh, of the the community through the demographic reports, and you kind of come up with this this summary that this is what we think our community looks like, our neighborhood, uh, so that we can move forward. Now you're going to actually get out there in it. And so you're going to start doing some prayer walking. It can start off by being, you're not going to actually talk to anybody. Okay. So we can start off with a low threshold where you're literally just, you know, walking along and just praying, uh, do it in twos or triads, do it, uh, you know, walking your dog, Uh, You can do it as a church activity. You can charge your church members to just do it in their own neighborhood. Uh, But it's going to be an opportunity for God to start working. Because even though it might start off where there aren't any conversations going on, hopefully conversations will start. Now here's where, again, you can talk to your church members and you can say, we're not looking for you to go through and present the whole gospel if you bump into somebody and they start talking to you. During your prayer walking, first off, when you bump into people, ask them, is there anything that you can be praying for them about? That you're either from that neighborhood or that neighborhood's very important to you. Uh, also, you can just ask them, this is kind of what we think is going on. We think this is what's going on in the neighborhood, the needs that are here. What do you think about that? And just start getting some feedback so it can help you to either confirm what you thought you were seeing from the outside is correct or maybe you need to make some adjustments. And again, prayer is going to be the Holy Spirit helping you to understand that, to make that yes or no, that right or wrong, to be able to move forward to the next stage. Oh, one more thing in that. In some of the more rural churches even though we talked about prayer driving in the first for context, for some of you where your church is located, prayer walking will look a lot like prayer driving because you have so far between houses And so that's where you're going to have to be more creative on the prayer walking slash conversations. You might need to do them in third places at the gas station or at a quick stop or a little restaurant type of thing there. And so I almost forgot to mention that. Roger would have called me out next week if I (laughs) didn't mention that.
0: (laughs) And that's important. What are those gathering places that you have in your your unique communities, because every community is uniquely different. But here's what I do know. If they all go to Wally World, that's where we need to be, right? That's Walmart for you folks who are out of state. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, this prayer walking is going to drive us to have opportunities of conversations. We, we used to call this relational conversations. I thought that was repetitive, but um, this is when we begin engaging and in, in talking to people. Uh, on the prayer uh, walking aspect of it, too. I, I encourage you to make it a training event in your church and then send them out. Uh, but then uh, you don't necessarily have to have um, sequel events. Make it a lifestyle. Say, look, make this part of your daily life, part of your exercise routine or just part of as you go. Uh, but then it's okay to come back and do it again as an event. Um, but but also encourage them. Look, now you don't have to wait till next week or next month when we go out in prayer walk. Do this do this all the time. Do it as a, a lifestyle. Do it as you go. Because here's what I do know: the more times you do it, the more conversations you're going to have, the more opportunities you're going to have to share the gospel and enact, interact with people that want that need to hear about uh, Jesus. Well, who and how do you engage in meaningful conversations in your neighborhood? May be your question. And um, who do you need to talk with? I think this is something you need to pray through, think through uh, as you begin to walk and engage. How do you turn um, a conversation um, into a gospel conversation? And are you even thinking about that? Well, this is something you need to have dialogues with your folks. And um, so that you'll help them to do this and help them get them together where they can practice this and and rehearse with this in a friendly environment where it's unthreatening and it's uh, and it's comfortable, but where they can begin to uh, to do this type of thing. I know when I used to run the Mountain State Fair and headed up for the evangelism uh, booth every year, um, I would invite pastors, leaders, teachers to come and say, come hang out with me for a day. And uh, because it was amazing how many people were not were never taught to street witness or just off the cuff begin to share of the gospel or to turn a sentence or something like that to, to share with them. And a lot of it's platforms. What platform are you using? What are you using uh, to engage and to 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 share? But help help them with that. And even here, get, how about this? Go with them. Model for them what it looks like. Set them up. A lot of times when we were at the fair, I would actually engage somebody, begin the general chit chat conversation, turn the conversation, and then uh, pull out some type of tool that was used to share the gospel and say, Have you ever seen this? Like a, um, um, a Banjo Cube. How many of y'all have seen one of those? Okay. Or just something like that. And I say, have you ever seen one of these? Half of them, or 99%, go, No. And I go, Awesome. This guy right here is going to share with you what it means. It, it talks about Jesus in the gospel. I am mean, not going to hide it from them. And I say, go for it. And there you go. He's on. And he's going like, what? <laughs> and, uh, but then has an opportunity to share. But the next time they're up, they realize, well, that was easy. It's not that, that difficult. And of course, asking the Father favor to, to, to help us with these things. But who do your neighbors um, or what do your neighbors really, what do they like to talk about? What are interests? And that's where it starts. It kind of, you know, start with their interests. I know I had a neighbor once that was a plumber. And so, what did I do? I remodeled both my bathrooms. Hello? And who did I invite to come over and help me? Uh, My neighbor that didn't know the Lord. And what did that give us? A contained, closed room for hours on end (laughs) that we could share and talk to one another. And what did the conversation turn to? Yes, about the Lord, Jesus, because... I get to talk about what I did for a living, (laughs) and and he was a retired plumber, and we were doing that, so, and, uh, but just, you know, whatever, whatever it takes, and, and I used to go around to my neighborhood, too, and tell them, look, I'm, um, I'm a trained, licensed electrician. If you ever need any help with electrical work, please holler. I'll come over and help. Now, did I want a bunch of electrical jobs, folks? No. No. I had plenty to do, but I did want conversations with my neighbors, and I did want to love all my neighbors, and, uh, and I wanted to love them as, you know, as Jesus loved me. So I would offer that, and it gave me multiple, multiple opportunities to do that. Or maybe something as simple as uh, helping them break a yard, or shovel snow, or whatever it might be. Um, but uh, you've got to be looking for these opportunities. Conversations, a checklist, have you uh, approached any of the following the mayor or your city leaders, right? When's the last time you had a conversation with them? Uh, School board members, teachers, health professionals, community service leaders, the planning commission, city council members, the chamber of commerce, religious leaders and others in your community. When's the last time you just went up to them and said, you know what? I appreciate you and I'm praying for you. Most of them are waiting for and (laughs) what's the catch? You probably got a complaint like everybody else. And that's, there is no catch. You know, um, a lot of these people are in service, especially in EMS or uh, police or fire or others. Um, you know, let them know that you're covering them in prayer. You're thinking about them. You appreciate their service. Military, and the list goes on and on. How you can connect with neighbors, friends and others that, that work in and are in your community. As you engage your community, look for points of connection uh, that God can use to, to impact that, that culture. Always be aware of that. As you're engaging, talking, helping, uh, uh, helping others. Um, A question you might ask, can you tell me any community needs that are going unmet in this area? As you're out prayer walking or in a different area than where you live. And um, you might be surprised some of the answers you get. It might be vague or they might be very specific. And it doesn't mean that you're going to answer them or fulfill all of them. But you can at least commit to pray for them, can't you? And, uh, and begin there. But you might find there's a God moment where you're the only one that could answer that. And then, okay, here we go. It's it, it, it's on. Um, as you move from uh, that, you move to community reflections. You want to take a time to begin to assess what's going on in the neighborhood. As you start documenting, you might even map it out like this. Begin drawing out who's here, who's here. I know one of the pieces that I've used um, is some of those uh, online... Com- uh, like a bless every home or pray for every home. I've used both of those using bless every home now because I like the direction that they're going. But I've used it as a map tool. And I'm using it in my new neighborhood. And it gives me a hundred neighbors to pray for. I love that. And also it tells me who's living in what home. What's really cool, now I don't recommend this to go show your neighbor your map. I'm just seeing if you're really that person. No, I don't <laughs> that might freak them out. You know? But as I meet a neighbor and it does match, I circle it. And then I began taking little notes about them, you know, so I can more specifically pray for, for them and and, and, and lift, them, lift them up. Wouldn't it be awesome if you led a neighbor to Christ and a year later you were able to show them that? You know, I've been praying for you for over a year. <laughs> I've been lifting you up before the Lord. That one day this day would come. And uh, wouldn't that be sweet? Um, Paul, um, in Acts 17 says, Paul sought to understand the spiritual life of the city of Athens and spent time in the city observing. When was the last time you did that? And and just not the physical, what's present, but the spiritual too. And begin uh, having an assessment of that and what, what is that. And then begin as the Spirit would lead you to begin praying in that regard. As you have meetings and interactions in your community, look for ways that your church can Be of service to the community because it may be something that you find that's way bigger than you, but not bigger in your church. Okay, then bring in the family. That's when it's time to bring in the the, the family and serve. And these are often bridges for the gospel uh, to be heard. I know when I was a director of missions, one of the ministries that we used most often was our Baptist men. And they would build handicap ramps and do things and things like that. But these were phenomenal bridges For us to have conversations with people as we were just loving on them and and, uh, showing them the love of Christ through multiple churches. So it's not one church trying to grow their church. It's just all churches showing the love of Jesus. And then always someone will be designated to spend time with the homeowner or the one receiving the blessing and praying for them. Because oftentimes there's a reason God's got you there. And we need to look for those. We need to look for those divine appointments, those opportunities. And to and to 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 share uh, the the gospel and to help others, and then one of the pieces, Ken Tan's really doing a big piece on this on on um, cultural diversity, <coughs> and also looking at the six stages of cultural mastery. I I encourage you to to get up with Ken while you're uh, here, and you may have already. How many of y'all are familiar with this piece and the work that he's doing? One of you, so two of you. Uh, so I encourage you to look at that because. Cultural diversity pushes against us doing life together. You may have the best strategy in the world, but if you don't take into account the culture that's in your community, it's going to eat your strategy for lunch. Okay, And so it's just something we need to be aware of. What do I mean by that? Well, the main elements of, uh, of every culture are beliefs, values, good and valuable, languages. Every culture has its own languages. How do people communicate? Norms, expectations, Of its members, written or unwritten, symbols, cultures have their ways of identifying or uh, branding themselves. You might say, wait a minute, you just described my church. My church has a culture. You're exactly right, it does. And you're going to take that into consideration too as you move forward and try to motivate them. Um, Tom Steffen and David um, Hasselgrave gave some questions to consider as we engage our culture. This was a good question, I thought. What does it cost a person in this culture to become a Christian? What does it cost a person in this culture to become a Christian? What uh, redemptive analogies are best for this culture? Or how does this culture view Christianity? You do know that wherever you live, they have a certain take or view on Christianity. And now it may be age broken down, but just realize the younger people, millennials or even generation X's may have a different take you need to hear what that take is. So you can present the gospel in a relevant and a clear way that they can hear and understand. Uh, people that are older or people that may have been hurt in the church are going to hear, uh, hear it differently. Or people that are estranged from the, the, the church. Is this culture based on shame or guilt? That's important for me to notice. It's funny. We do all this when we go overseas, but not in our neighborhood. And we think, well, we're all Christians. Really? So that's your experience. Everyone goes to your church in your neighborhood. No. As a matter of fact, that diversity is even uniquely different. What is the best delivery system for exposing people of this culture to the gospel? Missionaries understand that. Do we? We really need to stop and ask that, that question. What's that going to look like? How are we going to... Um, uh, Paul understood that. Remember what he said? I become all things to all people that I might what? win some, save some with well, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I mean, that was and to the Jew. I became what a Jew, a Jew. Gentile, what Gentile and, and, and so forth. Wait a minute. He was doing what we all should be doing as we look at uh, creative ways to, and it, it isn't that the message message ever changes our methods do. And so we need to look at constantly uh, tweaking that. What cultural preferences uh, do you notice? Some important questions. What are the top three local radio stations in your community? Do you know what they are? Do you listen to one of them? No, don't go there. Um, what styles uh, are used by different indigenous churches in that in your community? Okay. Which ones are being successful at leading people to Christ? And which ones are growing? Which ones are plateauing? Which ones are dying? And... Um, and uh, scripture, you know, helps us with these things, informs us these things. But um, how do people, I like this one, how do people learn in your culture? Have you taken that into consideration? What's the education level of the people who live? Well, that, you can go back to that demographic report, find that out real easy. Okay, are you coming alongside with, I mean, it, it, it's it's interesting. Sometimes we don't realize we're teaching and preaching at such a high level, but yet all of our people may be educated right here. Well, does that make sense? Well, I, I absolutely not. You know, and um, oftentimes in our in our churches. Oh, wait a minute. And, and what is the goal of, of our uh, Sunday morning events and our purposes for that? Well, you might say, well, give, give God the glory. Well, uh, Jesus said, by this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciple. So he's looking for us to multiply disciples of Christ. Is that happening in our churches? Do we see that multiplying out generationally? Well, these are the things that we'll be be looking for as we're doing these in the reason for this in cultural investigation. Uh, Now we move to interpretation as we're beginning to pull these things together. And there's another prayer component. And Mike is going to come and share about that.
1: So we've been progressing through the context with the prayer driving, the observation with the prayer walking, and then now as we move into this interpretation, we're really trying to pull everything together. And here's where we have to figure out, do we really believe in prayer or do we just say that we believe in prayer? And so we've looked at this as being a prayer partnering piece, and this can be in different perspectives of different contexts. One of those contexts could be prayer partnering within your church membership. Maybe the pastor and the leader's are doing some focused praying about things that they're seeing and understanding the truths of the neighborhood of the community. Maybe there's a group of men that are doing some specific partner tra- uh, praying. Maybe there's a group of ladies that are doing some partner praying about a specific a- area. Maybe there's a group of parents that are gathering together and partnering about a specific topic. Maybe there's students that are gathering together prayer partnering for a specific topic. And so those are all within your church where you pulling people together maybe by their, their how old they are, whether their stage of family is or where their heart is. Uh, but then there's also another context of there's more believers than just the believers at your church. Okay, um, it might not seem that way. It might seem like everybody, all the other churches, they're really just lost people, but, you know, there are saved people at other churches also. And so maybe you get a group of pastors in an area and they get together and pray together. Maybe you get a group of ladies across multiple churches and they come together in our prayer partnering on certain issues. Maybe you get a group of parents from multiple churches that come together and pray for the schools and the student dynamics that are in that community or that neighborhood and so you got the within your church prayer partnering you've got within the believers in the community prayer partnering but then take it beyond that if you're in relationship with lost people most lost people don't turn down prayer now, if you try to thump them over the head with the Bible and you get in their personal space a little too close like this, with but I knew Jay could handle that part there, you know, then they're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But if you talk to them where their heart is already hurting, and so maybe you talk with the first responders, and there might be a lot of lost people that are in the first responders, but you just go to them and you just say, our church has a heart for all of you as first responders. And we know that some of you don't believe the same things that we believe. But we just want you to know that we want to partner with you and pray for you and your families. And so we're going to do that generically. But if there would be any way for you to let us know some specific concerns, we would really love to lift up those specific concerns. You could do that prayer partnering with a school where you just come in and now what always helps is if you bring desserts uh... you know over time build relationship in in the office you know to the 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 ministry staff in there and to the principals, and you just kind of love on them over time and they'll 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 feel your love and then you just start talking to them and you just say i believe in prayer i'm not sure if you believe in prayer but i know you all have a tough job here the school system is very challenging Our church wants to partner with you guys and just pray for you guys. And so you have prayer partnering at your church. You've got prayer partnering with other believers in your community. And then you've got prayer partnering between you and the whole community and the lost in the community. And ultimately, the limit on prayer is your limit, the the limit you believe in it, the, the limit that how much time you want to put into it and how many people you want to get around and pray with. Uh, we we really set our own limit on prayer partnering.
0: A lot of times we think uh, prayer partnering is Wednesday and, uh, and we've got her done. And what we don't realize, there's many people in our community neighborhood and other areas that, uh, God will open up opportunities for us to go and to do ongoing prayer partnering and don't, uh, you know, some of them are quite obvious that we're just skirting right by and think, well, they don't, you know, they wouldn't let us do that or a school system or a fire department or forestry or a police department or a sheriff's department. You'd be shocked. i partner with all these types of entities on an ongoing base that love it and actually would share uh, when there was a disaster or something major would happen, In the county or area, we were the first they contact. Please put this on your prayer list. Send it out to the churches. And what we committed to in one county was to pray for every single person in service in that county. And um, what a blessing. Because it it gave us such a connectedness to them. But you don't realize when you pray for those officers, those in service, you're also blessing their families. You're also blessing others. And it's also going to be opening doors of opportunity. So think about those areas where you would be prayer partnering. And then that leads us to just being honest about uh, connecting opportunities. Uh, What are connecting opportunities in your city, your community, your neighborhood? Where are you seeing God at work? An opportunity to begin something (laughs) uh, or an opportunity to join him in something such as a school, a ministry, a business, uh, etc.? Well, what, what, are you, what are you seeing as you, you know, you've kind of gone through these stages. You're still prayer driving. You're still prayer walking. You're still connecting. You're talking. And now you're prayer partnering. You, so you're seeing natural gatherings of prayer all across this area, which you're uh, going after with the gospel. And all of a sudden, have you seen what's happened? We, we've moved from the church parking lot to the community. And now we're getting in homes and businesses. And, and, uh, and with these partnering and how God is beginning to give us opportunities. And we're asking all along this journey, Father, give us favor like this. God, give us opportunity. God, give us open doors. Uh, and uh, because here's what I do know, the enemy doesn't want it to happen. And he's going to do everything to shut it out. But greater is he that is in me than what? He is in the world. So God's going to give us, God's going to give us uh, much, much favor. And then I believe this leads to some bridges, some connecting opportunity. What are the community needs? By this time, uh, you're being able, your team is able to see uh, to have a really good handle on the community's physical and spiritual needs. And begin, uh, begin connecting with them, begin meeting uh, those, those needs. Begin answering those needs. Um, I talked to a church once that, that grew from four to three thousand. And I said, I know there's not a secret, but I know you've been intentional about something. What was that main thing that you were intentional about to help this church to become this side? And he said, basically, for the first 10 years, we met every need that was asked of our church that came. And he said, now, we wouldn't be able to meet the whole need, but in some fashion or form, he said his first year, he had a, a whopping budget for the whole year, $400. And he said, we spent every dime of it. And he said, and I, I said, well, what's your budget this year? He said, $40,000. We'll spend every dime of it. And he's limited in what he has, but he's reaching out, loving on people with all they got. And, uh, and the community knows that. The community knows that. And they're, and they're, and they're coming. And uh, God's using that to build bridges into losses to provide pathways for people to find God, Jesus Christ. Okay? And, uh, and it, it's an old method, it's a simple method, and it still works, you know. And um, so think about those uh, community needs, whatever they might be. You might be in an affluent area. Do you think they still have needs? Absolutely. Do not sell that short just because, um, just because of where they are. And also then go to this last assessment part in the interpretation, resources available and needed. Be honest with that. What are the resources available? Church members. Uh, but look for your, your church, your church members, your association, state, national, international. Uh, that's where we come into play as strategy coordinators. We're connector guys. We're going to help you to find. You come up and identify a need and we see what it is. We'll do everything we can to connect you to help with others to help uh, meet that that need. Or whatever that, that might be. And um, and your local associations are great resources uh, for that because they can pool and come together and, and help uh, as well too. But, uh, but even on the front side, as you begin assessing needs, begin assessing, okay, can we meet them? What do they look like? What resources are, are actually needed as we kind of draw all this up in our interpretation of really what's going on in this community? Now, I want to say at this point too, um, this is all going to happen in one day. Just <laughs> uh, Yeah, right. <laughs> no, uh, this is a this is a, a time process, and we don't really put a clock on it. What we do is we train pastors, leaders to understand the model, and then play it out in their context and time. On average, I think Mike, I was asking him earlier about a year, is reasonable to begin rolling out uh, this process. Some churches respond better. I've seen some the fastest I've ever seen is ten weeks, and that that's really spinning it up. Quick, but it was a smaller church. And it depends on the size of your church, the amount of involvement. Um, and uh, and as you begin progressing and, and, and moving forward, taking baby steps that build to, to 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 larger ones. Then we move to strategy application. Because here's the deal. I don't want it to be a one-off event or a or, or one-off type of uh, thing that you, you, you do or to only last for a year. So I want you to think about an ongoing strategy that you would script and begin kind of writing out a a plan. What is it going to look like for the next year? Then at the end of that year, write the next year. Uh, But where you have an ongoing uh, uh, plan that would be applied, and it begins with what's your ongoing prayer strategy? Mike, come and share with us this last prayer component.
1: So Chuck's going to walk us through in a moment here having a strategy of engaging the lostness, engaging the community. He's going to talk about engagement of making disciples and having a strategy for that. Um, we're on the strategic focus team, so we have to talk about strategy. That's like part of the job description. As we've gone through this discovery as a church... We've talked about prayer driving in the beginning, prayer walking, prayer partnering, and there's overlap in all of those, as I had mentioned earlier. You can't, you don't just say, well, well, we got to do just this one right now. No, whatever's contextually with you, how you're wired, how the people of your church are wired. So you've done this through the whole discovery process. Once you get to that point where you say, okay, this is our strategy. This is how, for the next however long, we're going to try to engage the community. This is our strategy of how we're going to be disciples that make disciples that make disciples. Along with that, you need to figure out how we have incorporated prayer over this discovery process. How are we going to continue to have prayer be just part of everything that we're doing? We understand that life is busy for everybody, And if we don't have a plan, if we're not intentional, what typically happens to those things in our life? They just get pushed out of the way. And so we have been very intentional that prayer has been a key component in us learning and understanding our neighborhood and community. Prayer has to stay in the front and foremost as we continue to then engage our community more and make disciples that make disciples that make disciples more. And so you just need to figure out that prayer strategy. What is it going to be? Is it going to be using something like Bless Every Home? Is it going to be where you're going to have certain times of prayer or seasons of prayer within your church or outside your church? Whatever works in your context, you put it together, and then you just start working out the strategy.
0: So you notice we're not just coming up and standing and saying, look, here's your script. Here's this is plug and play. Go for it. It, it really doesn't work that way. God's got a unique plan uh, for for you. He's got a unique prayer strategy for you. And as you pray, seek the father's direction for your unique culture, context, community. He's going to give that to you. He's going to give you what you're and it's not going to look like your neighbors, but it may. OK, um, so but uh, but process and think and think through that. And also I want you to think through your disciple-making strategy. Um, once you start engaging people, talking to people, leading people to Christ in the community, now how are you going to disciple them? Because they may not come back to your church. Are you okay with that? Are, are you prepared what that next step might look like? Um, I do know that statistically it's been proven that 60% of the folks um, in America will never go to church they're just not going to go. Now they'll come to Jesus. That means we got to go to them. And then now, now after you lead them to Christ, they may come back to your church, but they may not. They may have a totally diverse different background where they feel led to go back to their denomination and make some change. Cuz they said, "Wait a minute, I served in that church all these years and never found Christ. I need to be in Christ to them." Well, there's your missionary. <laughs> So we would equip and help them. But what's your disciple-making strategy? I always ask this. What is your personal disciple-making strategy? You're never going to have a corporate one unless you have a personal one. And are you living it out? And then answer me this. Is it being effective? Is it being fruitful? Are you seeing multiple generations of followers of Christ coming from the method that you're using in your disciple-making strategy? Be honest with that. We have some wonderful specialists in in our building that want to help you with that that journey. We have wonderful strategists that would love to talk to you about what that is and what your journey is. And and here's what's neat: we got guys not just talking about it, or they're living it. And uh, and and I know even in this room we have that 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 too. But uh, I want you to process and and think through that. Paul said it best for us to be able to have a gauge or a measure how we're doing. In 2 Timothy 2.2, he said, The things which you've heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust these to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Uh, when was Paul satisfied Timothy was a disciple? Paul, Timothy, faithful men, others. Have you ever saw that before? I don't believe Paul was satisfied that uh, Timothy... Uh, was a disciple when Timothy pushed out to faithful men. I believe that was, uh, uh, or how should I put it, that he was a disciple maker when he pushed out to faithful men. I I believe you might even call him a disciple, a a church member, a tender, but but it goes beyond that. Just making converts, leading others to Christ, and holding Bible studies. It's when that faithful men push out to others. That they begin. So then you're seeing some generational multiplication. Is that the standard you use in your life? Jesus used it in his life. Think about it. He talked about it too. By this is my father glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. John 15, John fifteen eight. Also, I want you to think about your lostness engagement strategy. How are you reaching your neighbors for Christ? How effective has it been so far? And, and let's just be honest about this. And I think it's okay, cool right now, just stop. Even stop this seminar, shut everything down. Let's get on our knees. Maybe it's not being effective. We just need to cry out to him. Father, I need help. When is the last time you led one of your neighbors to Christ? Or more importantly, when's the last time you tried? When's the last time you shared the gospel with one of them? And wait a minute, you're the cream of the crop? And when's the last time you trained somebody else to do the exact same thing? you've passed this passion on to others and they're doing it with others and they're doing it with others well that's what Jesus is talking about that's what he wants us to capture and to live out Uh, I was talking to a pastor the other day and he said you know, about disciple making and, and about reaching out and reaching lostness and he said this about disciple making he said Chuck you know what right now I'm just so busy as a pastor I don't have time to make disciples is that even possible In our world, we're using it as an excuse and think it's possible, but here's a reality check. It's not possible. It is possible, but you're being disobedient. And I'm not talking just to pastors now. I'm talking to everyone who's a Christian. The Great Commission applies to each and every one of us. And then lastly, ongoing assessment and adjusting. We need to be honest about, um, and, and that's really what I've been talking about. How well are we doing at this? We need to just stop and pray and ask Father, God, honestly, how well hell am I doing this? These things that he's talking about. Fulfilling the Great Commission, where you commanded me to go and make disciples of just my neighbors or nations. See, God knew if we got this right in our backyard and in our everyday lives, we would be able to get this right all over the world. Irregardless of context, culture, languages, barriers, God's going to get her done. But it's kind of like in the day, will you raise your hand and say, well, here I am, Lord, send me. Here I am, Lord, send me. And see, that's up to you. That's between you and the Lord. And, um, and so I want you to be honest about that. With any good strategy or development of this, you've got to be honest about how, how is it going. And um, God's great work in your neighborhood. God's great work in your neighborhood.